Hebrews. How many of you guys enjoyed that? It's a little different service this morning. All right. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope that we could do it again. I hope that we could do it again. Hebrews chapter 6. They have it on the screen if you don't have it. And we'll go to verse... Um, Verse 9, thank you for all the guests that are here. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate all the visitors, family that's here. Hebrews 6, 9, it says, But, beloved, uh, I'm reading from the, the New King James Version, then we'll go to that one. But anyways, let's read this one. Dear friends, now he's talking here to the beloved. He says, we are confident. Now we've been talking about the best part in exiling in our gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, since you seek the gifts for yourselves, seek the gifts or the best gifts that will edify the church. And here in Hebrews, Paul is telling, I believe it's, Paul, that wrote this book, and I'm not going to give you the introduction to Hebrews that I had this morning because we, we, we used a lot of time. But in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9, he says, we are confident, notice that, of better things. Somebody say better things. We are confident of better things. Notice, and yes, things that accompany your salvation. Notice what Paul is saying here to the Hebrews is that I know you've been saved, but along with your salvation, we believe that there are other things, that there are better things that accompany your salvation. How many of you guys know that if you've been saved, you have something to offer to this world? That if you know Jesus Christ, you have a light within you. Pastor Mike just prayed for Mark Ronchetti. I just love how God always confirms a simple little message like this. And he said, may he echo, may he echo the word of God that God has for him. May be, he may be, may he be an echo of the life of God in him in Washington, D.C. May he be an echo of our voice in Washington, D.C. And you have a voice. You have an echo. There is better things that accompany your salvation. There is better things that accompany your salvation. That word accompany is the word echo. The Bible says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that echo your salvation. How many of you know that you have a voice? If you've been saved, there is, should be a reverberation of the life of Jesus Christ. If he has gifted you, if he has called you, if he has anointed you, if he has set you apart, you have an echo. Somebody say echo. I'm loving this message already. He says, Beloved, I am confident of better things. How many of you guys know the Bible said to seek the best gifts? In the English Standard Translation, he says, seek the higher gifts. In other words, seek the gifts that are going to build up the church, that are going to take you somewhere. In other words, there's better things in store for you. Earnestly desire the best gifts. When you are filled with your gifts, when you discover your gifts, when you discover your spiritual gifts, 
You are actually telling God, this is the better part of me. Lord God, this is the best part of me. When you're anointed, when you're anointed to speak, when you're anointed to sing, whatever it is that you do at your work, you can be the best accountant. You can be the best musician. You can be the best photographer. And you say, Lord God, you get the better part of me when I'm anointed. So I want to challenge you. Do you have an echo? Is there an echo of your salvation? Echo, the word echo means a repetition of a sound caused by the reflection of a sound. You know, I appreciate everybody that's in this church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12, verse 11 to 12, they have it up on the screen. And it says in the Montgomery translation, if you have never heard of Helen Montgomery, in the early 1900s, she translated the King James Version into a modern English version for the youth or for the young boys in her high school. And in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, you guys got it back there? It says, and God gave some to be apostles and prophets, and pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the church, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. Now we hear that a lot, but the Bible says for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, every one of us has a part to build up the body of Christ. He says, since you seek spiritual gifts, seek them so that you might edify the body of Christ, the spiritual gifts that God gives you, the gift of preaching, the gift of worship, whatever your gift is, whether it's administration, whether it's help, it's not your gift. It is the church's gift so that the church of Jesus Christ can be grown up, can be mature. He says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a complete man, to a mature man. And I love the Montgomery translation because she says, until we reach the maturity of manhood, of manhood, every one of us has some growing up to do. You know, I wrote this curriculum for the young adults, and I pray that at some point you will also benefit from it. Because how many of you guys know that every one of us is called to mature in the Word? Every one of us is called to mature in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the book of Timothy that we go to ever increasing in knowledge, but we never come to the full knowledge of the truth. We don't teach you just for information. We don't just treat teach you for uh, so that you could be the best equipped or so that you could have the be the most knowledgeable church but it's so that you can uh, so that you can get a hold of the things that accompany your salvation so that you can get a hold of your calling so you could get a hold of that which God has destined you for in Hebrews chapter 6 he says therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity. Let us go on to completeness. 
Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Now we know that we need to preach repentance. This church has not stopped preaching repentance. But the Bible says, let us go on to maturity. Not again laying the foundations, he says, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands. We believe in the laying on of hands. We did that just now. Now we're not going to set it aside. We believe in it. But the Bible says, let us go on to maturity. He says, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And then I love this part. He says, and this we will do if God permits. For those of you guys that weren't here last week, that was last week's message. And this we will do. What will we do? We'll discover our best gifts. We'll discover the best part of us when we align ourselves with God's spiritual gifts. How many of us have ever done a spiritual gifts inventory in our life? How many of you guys desire better things? Better things that accompany your salvation. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth in Acts 10.38 with the Holy Ghost and with power and Jesus went about doing good. Jesus went about with an echo in his life because he had the anointing of the Holy Spirit inside of him. Notice the Bible says that Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. When you walk into a room, do people know God is with him? There's a lot of people that are oppressed today. You know how many teenagers since school started, athletes have committed suicide since COVID? The NMAA just released uh, numbers, I think like seven or eight seniors who should have been uh, active athletes in high school have committed suicide due to COVID. Suicide rates have skyrocketed due, due to the closures. And you have the power of God within you. You have been given an echo because God is with you. He wants to speak through you. you know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ became the better sacrificed. In Hebrews 1 verse 4 it says, Having so become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. In Hebrews 8 6, they have it on the screen. I'm going to read it here because it's condensed. He says, Having obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. Now the old covenant is great, but the new covenant is even better because the Bible says that it's even, it's enacted on better promises. Jesus Christ was the better sacrifice. The New Testament is established on better promises. And also in Hebrews 7, 9, it says that we have a covenant that is on a better hope. Now, I know that your best or my best is not someone else's best. How many of you guys could agree with that? Maybe your best pair of shoes is not somebody else's best pair of shoes. Maybe your best suit, which I'm missing half of mine because it was too hot, is not somebody else's best suit. Your best car might not be somebody else's best car. Or my best car might not be somebody, somebody else's best. But how many of you guys, that each and every one of you guys has a better part of you to offer God? Every one of you guys has a better thing to offer God. I love that story in Ruth chapter 3. I got 15 more minutes. Don't let me lose you. Lean in for just a minute. In Ruth chapter 3. 
The Bible says that Naomi had returned back with Ruth after they had lost three husbands. They had lost a house. They had been in a famine. They had lost so much that they had, you know, had given up on all hope. But Naomi looked towards Bethlehem. And she says, let us go back to Bethlehem and let us see if we can find a home. And the Bible says that they went to Bethlehem and in Bethlehem, Naomi introduced Ruth to Boaz. Boaz was her redeemer. And the Bible says that as Boaz saw Ruth, he took interest in her and he told his, his harvesters to let the girl glean from the harvest fields. And he says, and he says, drop a little bit of extra, uh, barley or whatever it is that they were picking, leave a little bit left over for her so that she could have enough to go home with. But the Bible says that Naomi saw Ruth and she said, I think it's time for you to be married to Boaz. I don't just want you to settle for his possessions. I don't just want you to settle for what he has to offer you. I don't want you to settle for the best things that he can give you. I want you to be his wife. And the Bible says that she told Ruth, therefore, wash yourself and appoint yourself and put on your best garments and go down to the threshing floor. Now, why to the threshing floor? Because it was the time of the wheat harvest. And the Bible says that the manager or the owner, the steward of the wheat or would go to the threshing floor and he would sleep there by night and guard the wheat. He would protect it. And so when, Bo, when Ruth went with her best garments, she went down to the threshing floor and notice what she says, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. How many of you guys know that sometimes some people try to make themselves known? God says, when you got the calling, when you got the anointing, when you're operating in the better part of you, you don't need to let nobody know who you are. They will all know you are a child of God. You ain't got to remind nobody whose you are. You ain't got to remind nobody whose you are. Because when you're operating in the better part, when you put on your best part, God says, I will take notice of you. Your Redeemer will take notice of you. And the Bible says, Naomi said, Ruth, let's go. There's a Kingsman Redeemer. You don't know him, but I know who he is. And I know you're not supposed to be here. I know you're a Moabite. I know you're a foreigner, and you don't belong in the house of God, but I'm taking you to Bethlehem because you will get noticed when you put your best on. You don't belong here because you're a Moabite, but I want to bring you closer to my people. Because you said, my people will be your people and your God will be my God because you made it a covenant. Now you're not going to be an outsider. You're going to be an insider. So just put your best on and allow God to use you. I love this story because it was her rags to riches kind of story. She didn't know nobody. She didn't have nothing. But somebody important took notice of her because she put on her best self. She put on her best thing that she had to offer. It might not have been the best that somebody else had, but it was the best that she had. And when she stood before him, he took notice of you, of her. And I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know what you've been putting on. You might be saying, well, this is all I got to offer. Lord God, I don't got the best talent. I don't got the best gift. I don't got the best looks. I don't got the best house or the best car, but Lord God, here it is. Here it is. 
It's pretty quiet here in this Presbyterian church. You're not supposed to be here, Ruth. You're not supposed to be here, Ruth. But I'm here. You're not dressed appropriate to be here, Ruth. This is all I got. This is the best. This is the best. And I love that part. It says, don't try to make yourself look the best. Just put on your best. Your best is not someone else's best. And God told me to tell you that you may not have somebody else's best, but you'll look better in humility. You'll look better in weakness. You'll look better in, in foolishness. Sometimes you'll even look better in brokenness. When God says there is a broken man, he says, I could use him and I can, I can make him a standout. I can make him a standout. How many of you guys know that God has called you to better things? He has called you to better things. But what is it that we've been seeking? Maybe we've been seeking the best things. I wonder what, what, what that employment or that job has to offer me. You know, as I was writing this sermon series, I was thinking about how much, and we don't really talk about it, but how much we've lost over the last several years in this ministry. Some of you guys have lost tremendous amounts of money. You've lost tremendous amounts of sleep. You've lost tremendous amounts of relationships. We've lost relationships. We've, we've been wounded sometimes, it seems like, beyond repair. But I wrote this down. God said, God said, God will never allow you to lose something. Ruth had lost a lot. She had lost everything. And God will never allow you to lose something or, that's, or allow something to be taken from you without making a way to deliver it back to you. Whatever you've lost, it's coming back to you. Whatever you have lost to the world is coming back to you. It's coming back to you. As a matter of fact, the very thing that you lost, the very thing that you lost or the instrument that you lost will be the same instrument that God is going to use to prepare you for something greater, for better things. There is better things in store for you. If you would have told me two years ago that we would be preaching on Christian TV and sending DVDs to every prison in the state of New Mexico, you would have said, I don't believe it, but believe it because God said better things are in store for you. If I would have said, oh, what can I do? My son's in prison. The devil has tried to take him. If I would have quit, I would have never had that opportunity. Because there is better things destined for you. There is better things destined for you. But you got to be willing to put your best part out. You got to be willing to excel. When I'm operating in the best part of me, when you're operating in the best part of you, he will get the best of yourself and the church will get the best of you. How many of you guys know the Bible says that if you seek to excel in spiritual gifts, let it be for who? Not for you, for the church. Let it be for the church that you seek to excel. When I am filled with God's spirit operating in his gifts, it's not for me. I am functioning in the best part of me. When I surrender my life to God and say, Lord God, I'm giving you the best part of me. Lord God, there is things that accompany my salvation, and I want to establish the best part of me. 
I got a couple more illustrations. How many of you guys remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 15 that God, this prophet Samuel told David or told Saul, I want you to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Leave no survivors. Go destroy them. Go ruin them all because of what they had done to God's people. Beware what you do to God's people. If you don't think God is listening and God is watching, be careful who you attack. He will send a prophet to you. Now Saul might not put his hands on you, but there is a prophet that will. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, do you guys got it up there, 14? That the king sent, Samuel sent the king to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And the Bible says that Saul decided that he wasn't going to do everything that God told him to do. And notice what the Bible says. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they, notice that, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. Some of us have been sparing the best of what God has told us to give up. Some of us have been sparing the best for ourselves. Or maybe we've been sparing the best for your career. Or you've been sparing the best for your car. Or you've been sparing the best for your boss or for your employment. But how many of you guys have left over for the church because you have decided to disobey me. I'm going to now strip the kingdom from you. And I was just thinking about how Saul had an opportunity to completely obey God and not take any of the spoil. I love how the King James Version says, he says, why did you swoop on the spoil. In other words, why did you take what I had devoted to destruction and consider it the best? Why did you take what I had, had counted as loss and you considered it the best? Some of us have lost some things and you've said, oh, but that was my best. Something has been taken from you and you said, oh, but that was mine. And God says, if I've taken it from you, allow me to take it because if it's been taken from you, I can restore it to you. I can give it back to you. I can give it back to you. I ain't getting nowhere here this morning. I need some help. But I have one more last story I'm going to end it with. But how many of you guys heard of the story of Louis Braille? A little boy who was working in his father's shop, and his father used to make leather pieces, and his father would work in that shop. And little Louis took an owl, and he began to play with it as if it was his toy. And that sharp owl slipped out of his hands, and it punctured one of his eyes. The wound wasn't so bad. And for the first few days, it thought like he would recover from the wound. But after a few days, the wound got infected, and the little boy lost his eyesight. And it was in the year 1809 that he lost his eyesight. And his father, along with another man who I forgot his name, decided to send him to France to a school for the blind. And when Louis Braille got there, he realized that the books for the blind were very limited and he couldn't 
really read that fast. And he read all 17 books that were in the library. But he realized that there has to be a better way and a faster way to read books for the blind. So he heard of some other students talking about some French soldiers that had discovered a way to communicate in the dark so that the enemy troops could see them passing notes or turning on lights to read notes. So they discovered a method of reading in the dark by using heightened letters on paper. But he said even that, the letters were too big and didn't work. You couldn't really fit that many words on a page. So during one of his summer vacations, he went back home, went back to his father's shop, and with the very same tool that he had lost his eyesight with, he went back in and began to draw out what we know today as the Braille alphabet. And he said there is a better way. So he took pieces of leather, and with that very same awl that he lost his eyesight with, he began to make an instrument so that other blind people could learn how to read. And some of us have been blinded by our wounds. Some of us have been hurt. Sometimes it seems beyond repair. But this morning, God is telling me to tell you that the very thing that the enemy used to wound you, the very thing that the enemy used to try to destroy you. It's the very thing that God is going to use to make a tool for the ministry. He's going to make a tool out of your life that you thought was not available to you. So how many of you guys want to operate in the best part of your life? How many of you guys believe that there are things that accompany your salvation? Oh, but I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I've lost so much. Well, you get you go ahead and keep holding on to the wound and holding on to what you lost. Maybe you keep holding on to the instrument that ruined you. Maybe that person or that relationship. Instead of saying, you know what, Lord God, I'm gonna use this instrument to make a tool. I'm going to make this instrument a useful tool in my life and so that I can help the life of other people. So that I can help the life of other people. When Ruth went back to Bethlehem, I'm sure she didn't feel like she fit in. I'm sure they probably told her, you're not good enough for Boaz. You don't have the proper thing for Boaz to take notice of you. You don't have what it takes to belong where Boaz is. You don't have the credentials. You don't have the wherewithal. You don't have the voice. You don't have the talent. But this morning, God told me to tell you that there are better things that accompany your salvation. There are better places that accompany your salvation. Don't you let no one keep you out. Don't you let no one say, you don't belong here, so don't count me out. Tell the devil, don't count me out because you try to wound me. Count me out, count me in because I've got the oil on me. How many of you guys desire better things? How many of you guys desire better things? I, can I get a louder amen than that? 
better things, better things are destined, better things are destined for you. And beloved, we are confident of better things that accompany your salvation. How many of you guys would like to be an echo to this world? Saying, when God called me, I didn't have nothing. When I first came into the ministry as a teenager, I was a young punk. Didn't have a future. Didn't have a destiny. All I had was a rainbow Bible and a Honda car. I don't know where you were at when the Lord called you. Maybe you're still in the same place. Ain't got no gifts. You haven't matured. But how many of you guys know the Bible says, and this we will do if God permits. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to say, Lord God, I want to live in the best part of me. So I'm going to establish myself in the ministry. I'm here to be equipped for ministry. How many of you guys would say yes, Lord, to that? There's a better part of you. There is a better part of you and you will never discover it unless you say, Lord God, here's my life. I surrender it. Don't count me out. Count me in. That's all I got. I had so much more, but I had to condense it. But you have an echo. You may not feel like you're good enough. You might feel like you don't come from nothing and nowhere. Maybe you said, I lost too much. I quit too many times. I've given up too many times. But there is someone somewhere that has not quit on you and has not given up on you. And he is the better thing. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I choose to excel. I choose to excel. I choose to be go beyond where I've been. I choose to go beyond that where I'm at. I choose to go beyond. And I ain't setting no limitations on his call for my life. And I hope you won't either. I asked the worship team to learn this song since they are so anointed and so gifted they were able to put it together I don't feel like I'm good enough I don't feel like I'm better but how many of you guys know that God said there are better things in store for you I don't know how you feel this today I don't know how you walk out of here feeling but this morning I want you to convince yourself that there are better things that accompany your salvation. There are better prayers, better sermons. How many of you guys have ever thought, man, there's a book that accompanies my salvation. There's a ministry that accompanies my salvation. There is something in me that other people don't see and God saw it. But you keep quitting. You keep giving up. You keep saying, I'm not good enough. Everybody else is better except for me. I may not look the part, but you called me. I might not ever have everything that everybody else has, but you called me. 
I may not have the last name, but you called me. How many of you guys would say better things? Better things. Better things that echo your salvation. There are better things that echo your salvation. Better things that echo your salvation. Better things that echo my salvation. Better things that echo my salvation. Would you sing this song together with us? When my mind says I'm not good enough, sing it at the top of your lungs. 